You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. This is a very cool episode. I brought on a great thinker in dentistry. She is incredible. Her name is Dr. Becca Bacow, and she introduces the idea that maybe we should redefine early orthodontic intervention. It's powerful. Please listen to this episode. I know you guys will enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I'm so pumped you're here. You know the jam. I get to hang out around with the coolest rock stars in all of dentistry, the best speakers, the best influencers, and we get to share insights. Actually, they share insights on best practices and just what's happening in this great world of dentistry so that you guys can create a better practice and a better life. And today, I have one of the coolest rock stars in all of dentistry. Dr. Becca Bacow. And today we're going to be talking about reframing intervention, what that means, and some of the why behind it. So Becca, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I am too. And I always say this to you, like you are truly changing the world. You guys will see if you've never heard her before, you have to hear her speak because it's incredibly compelling. And her story is not just hers, it's yours. You're going to see things all the time as she uh, enlightens us today. And uh, Becca, I want to start here because I have a lot of young listeners. We're spending a lot of time with dental students now. If somebody's never heard of Becca Bacow, who are you? What do you do? So, uh, Kirk, I'll share my journey just because I think it'll apply to what we're talking about. I I graduated uh, from the University of Washington, which has a long history of, on focusing on interdisciplinary dentistry and worked in a private practice for two years as a restorative dentist. And I was such a CE junkie. I was going to study clubs every night, multiple times a week, TMJ, gold foil, occlusion, joint sleep, interdisciplinary, a lot of Seattle study clubs, uh, and, and just really learning as much as I could. And uh, I realized I wanted to go back to school. And, and one of the things that really struck me as a restorative dentist was I saw a lot of breakdown that was really related to the foundation. 
the bones and the gums weren't in the right place, which led to a lot of the breakdown I saw in as a general dentist. And I thought if I can help put the bones and the gums in the right place and the teeth, of course, then I could partner with phenomenal restorative dentists to, to rehabilitate a patient. And I found out there was a program that combined perio and ortho together. And I thought, if I'm going to go back to school, that's what I want to do. And thank goodness they accepted me and I was able to complete a program and I got to, uh, I went through a dual training residency and ended up back in Seattle where, where I, where I grew up, where I love and um, was introduced to airway from Jeff Rouse. Back in 2013, I sat through a three-day course called Airway Prosthodontics before he joined Spear Education even, and I was blown away. Kirk, I sat in the front row, and I thought to myself, all of these adult patients have airway issues. They all have orthodontic problems. And I started talking to him about the things I learned about expansion. And, and really, a lot of the things I learned, I had to learn on my own because there wasn't a lot in the orthodontic literature, but there was a great deal in journals like sleep and sleep medicine. And there were journal stuff in ENT literature, and it's slowly, slowly been coming into the orthodontic literature and the, and the general dental literature over the last 10 years, but it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. And I think we're at this tip of an iceberg and, and every year more and more papers are coming out and our understanding is increasing. And, and so I started really thinking, so I saw a lot of adult patients with the perio-ortho background, and I saw a lot of adults that had a lot of issues. Generally, it's skeletal issues, underbites, overbites, crossbites, open bites, gummy smiles. And I thought, what happened early on in growth and development that led them to get to that point? Why? Why did we see the gummy smile? Why did we see the crossbite? And and most importantly, is it preventable? And that really sparked my interest. And I became very, very interested in early intervention. And so today, my practice or our practice, Inspired Orthodontics, I'm very proud of our team, but our, but our practice really spans anywhere from early, early intervention, like even young kids all the way through adults. And more recently, I've and, and what I wanted us to talk about today is what, is what does intervention mean for a young person? And what are things that we can do to help guide growth, which may not, there's no guarantee, but maybe we could help these kids grow in a healthy way so that they wouldn't have the breakdown that we otherwise see in some of these adult patients. I love it. I love it. You're an amazing educator. You're privy to a lot of the literature. You get to see all of the best thinkers in dentistry. Can you talk about the why? Before we hit the go button, you said there's a couple things going on that are, you know, kind of prompting this conversation. Can you share what the why is behind this topic for you? So I've been really thinking a lot about growth and development. And I think we're just starting to understand even more the power of what happens early as it guides growth and form and function are so interdependent and we can we really have an opportunity to think about chewing and swallow and speech and what 
what's happening for these young kids that's having such a major impact on skeletal growth. For, for example, I mean, if we think about a thumb sucker, I think historically we'd sort of throw our hands up and say, well, it's okay. We'll deal with it when the adult teeth come in. And I've even heard from families, my pediatrician said, it's don't worry about it until they're seven when the adult teeth come in. But if we think about what's happening in growth, so much growth occurs during those first few years of life. And so a thumb pushing into the roof of the mouth creates a narrow maxilla. The roof of the mouth is the floor of the nose. So now you have a narrow upper jaw. Now you have narrow nasal passages. Ultimately, that might look like crowding. And that's just the upper jaw. Then you have pressure on the lower jaw, which does a few things. First, it prevents the lower jaw from growing forward. And it pushes the condyle back in the fossa. So it, it might potentially change the way that this interrelates whether it has to do with the disc, whether it has to do with the development of the eminence, whether it has to do with the directional growth of the lower jaw, and you train the tongue to rest low. The tongue coming up in full motion in a swallow during not only during rest, but during speech, during, during functionality is what drives the growth of the upper jaw. And so you think about when you catch this kid at seven, let's say that's the first time they come to the orthodontist, we have to play catch up from seven years of the lower jaw not growing to its fullest potential. And we have to retrain the tongue to come up and forward. So it's not just about the teeth anymore. Orthodontics is not just about straightening the teeth. Now, all of a sudden we can reframe things. What can we do for that seven-year-old to help guide growth but also help retrain function. Right. And and so then then and so then could, what could we have done before age 7? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the number 7. It's been around for a long time. Where did the number 7 come from and why is it so important in the narrative now? Yeah, great. So it, it's a it's a hot topic in orthodontics right now. Uh, the American Association of Orthodontics says you should you should have an orthodontic evaluation prior to age seven. And so that has become sort of the marker, okay, we'll go see the orthodontist by age seven. I've never seen a paper, Kirk, that that gives us any sort of reason why seven is a magic number. My best guess is that it's when the adult molars have erupted. They usually come in around age six, six to seven. So by age seven, they tend to be in. And our bands fit best on first molars. And our appliances, maybe maybe we historically didn't want to bracket baby teeth. I don't know. That's that's my guess. Uh, but but I, I'd love to challenge that number mm-hmm. because... I don't, I don't know that there's any proof behind that number. And so maybe, maybe, and so going back to this seven-year-old that's a thumb sucker, maybe we can reframe how we define intervention. Yeah. Maybe intervention isn't putting braces on a seven-year-old or a three or four or five-year-old, but maybe it's helping this child stop their thumb sucking habit. Maybe that's our intervention. Maybe it's helping them find the myofunctional therapist to retrain the tongue. Maybe it's um, 
looking looking at other ways that we can intervene and help these kids beyond braces. I don't know that braces is the answer for everything. Yeah. I want to come back to that as far as how we reframe it. Um, I want you to share your friend wrote a textbook. It's been making you think a lot. Yeah. Tell us what it is and why it's making you think. So Dr. Dania Tamimi wrote a text or she she's the editor of a new textbook that just came out. If anyone's interested in something that really will blow your mind, it's it. It's, I, I don't have it in here. I'd grab it because it's it's like this big. But uh, it the first few chapters are all on growth and development. The whole the book is on uh, ra- radiology, TMJ, and sleep. And um, Kirk, you probably know some of the authors in there as well. Dr. Gunson has um, material in there. Dr. Steve Karstensen has chapters in there. Some phenomenal people have chapters in the book. But but it was talking about the development of the eminence, the development of the disc, the development of joint space, thinking about early development is dependent on function. And I thought a lot about what's happening with these little kids, what's happening with kids that, so so if we have aberrant chewing habits, if we have insufficient training with how to use our tongue or flaccid musculature what's going to ha- what what's the downstream effect of skeletal growth and development if function isn't co- correct is there if, if function isn't healthy at a young age what is that long-term impact and if we wait until growth is done if we wait until this child is 12 and we focus on just lining up the teeth We've lost all this opportunity of growth because so much of it is happening so early. And so paying attention to pacifier habits early on, paying attention to speech patterns early on, kids that have you move their jaws in weird ways to, to make sounds has an impact on condylar development. I saw a young child this uh, a few weeks ago in the clinic He's three and a half and his palate is so narrow, so V-shaped that his tongue can't fit in the roof of his mouth and his lower jaw can't figure out how to fit with the top teeth. So he's sliding all over the place. When he chews food, he, he's not getting a solid bite with his back teeth. He's, he's not crisp when he speaks. He's, he's seeing speech therapy because he doesn't know where to put his tongue because his palate is so narrow. He's snoring at night. He's tossing and turning at night. Uh, he, he, he's constantly congested. And so what is intervention? Is intervention putting braces on this young man? No, he's three and a half, but can we get him to speech therapy? Can we get him to ENT? Can we can we widen the palate? And if we're going to widen the palate on a three year old, what what? How do we do that? Because maybe our traditional appliances aren't the best fit for a three and a half year old. And so, I don't know the answers. I just am excited about some of the new questions and new possibilities. Yeah. One other thing that you mentioned too, and we see this in every aspect of dentistry. A lot of social pressure. So talk about the chasm between the literature 
and the social pressure on social media as far as, and we're in an industry that tries to be very helpful, but even with breathing, there's so many camps. And even in the regular world, we get so much of our information from social, almost too much of our news, you know, and what we learn about the world is through social. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, goodness. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I see things, I hear things, Kirk. I think I try to focus my energy on, on the, I don't know the best answer. I think, I think there's, there's a lot of thought leaders today that are really pushing the envelope. And there's a lot of great people out there that are showing beautiful things that they're doing with early intervention, with things like TAD expanders, beautiful surgical cases, and and really taking that learning and understanding about airway to the next level. There's also great pediatric dentists on social media that are really advocating, identifying some of these things early, the importance of suck and swallow, the importance of identifying tongue ties early, the importance of looking at diet, the importance of breastfeeding when possible. And, and I think really spreading the positive message, not just to dentists, but also to the general public. I think a lot of people don't know. They don't know that a three-year-old shouldn't be using the pacifier while walking around the, the airport or the shopping mall. And I see that on social media too. And um, so going back to that, maybe early intervention is helping, helping educate the public on skeletal growth and development. Yeah. So cool. One of the things that, I mean, you're very, very humble, but one of the coolest things about you is you know a lot. And even at your stage of the game of being an educator, it's okay to say, I haven't figured it all out. This is not a puzzle that's easily figured out where you say, I've got it right now. Can you speak to that and where you're at in that part of oh, your career? Oh, for sure. My gosh, Kirk. I mean, the way we do things today is different than a year ago. Uh, the understanding, the depth of knowledge, and and even just whether it whether we're learning it from social media, or we're learning it from our peers, or we're learning it from the literature. I feel like we're learning something new daily, weekly, monthly, and then also, and especially for the the dental students, and and also for the experienced practitioners, to be able to critically evaluate our cases, and to look back and say, how could I have done that better? How could how can I learn from this? Could could we and and celebrating the wins and and also having a critical eye when things maybe didn't go as well as you thought and what what could we have done better? Did we did we use the right approach? Could and and so it, that's really exciting. Interdisciplinary dentistry is exciting. Um, and so just trying to learn from our peers, see, see what's happening in the literature, see what, what's coming out in, it, I mean, textbooks, there's some new textbooks, there's some great speakers, and also being able for us in dentistry to look outside of dental education, maybe, maybe learning from ENTs, learning from like thought leaders like Dr. Zaghi and, and others, especially the team down at Stanford, the things we're learning from uh, oral surgeons and learning from ENTs, learning from sleep physicians, because it applies to us, speech therapists. So, so being able to work collaboratively, we're learning so much from our own cases, from the literature and from each other. Yeah. 
I love it. And so going back to reframing intervention, one of the things I love that you said before we hit the go button is maybe it's not the treatment. Maybe it's finding the right tool to help the patient at that time. So can you go, can you explain that? Absolutely. So even just going back to that example, that three and a half year old, maybe. So what we, we got him to see ENT as the next step. We got him to get the adenoids and tonsils evaluated. We got him to see speech therapy. And so did we, did we put, did we get started on ortho treatment? Not yet that he's not ready for us, but we got him to see new providers. Maybe he will be a candidate for expansion, but, but, uh, Making, making sure that we help educate these families on growth and development, helping them find the right resources. Um, other examples are things like, like a lower lip entrapment. Uh, we, were, uh, we were trained to not intervene for some patients until they're, until they're teenagers. But if you, ha- if you identify a seven or an eight-year-old that's constantly biting the lower lip, what's that doing to mandibular growth and development? And so maybe intervention is something as simple as a retainer that helps reduce lower lip entrapment. And so thinking in terms of growth guidance, I think is really powerful. Yeah. And this isn't going away by any means, right? No, no. I think we're learning more and more. And I think, I think with CBCT technology, we can more critically evaluate our outcomes in a very different way. I think with asking new questions, reframing questions, we can answer, we can ask, we can ascertain new information. So if we, if we base our conclusions today on how we practice on, on literature from two, three decades ago, we're missing a lot. We, we have new information today so we can ask new questions and therefore we have new opportunities to study new things in the literature. Yeah. I love this industry and I'm a CE junkie just like you. And I know you get a high from seeing dentists who get excited about this, but let me be the 32 year old dentist that's listening right now, Becca. Becca, I totally understand. It's so much to think about. Like, where do I start? What advice would you give me if I'm early in my career? And I know this is important, but it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. Um, I think there's some great resources out there. There's some um, places like Spear Education have really embraced airway and growth and development as part of the core curriculum. So really thinking about uh, how how airway plays a role in growth and development. I think Panky and Kois have also incorporated this into their teaching. I'm sure other institutions are as well. I'm just not as familiar. Um, we, we got so many requests on social media that Mike Gunson and I put together a course and we love it. If anyone's interested, it's a three-day course and it covers everything from growth and development all the way through surgery. And um, with CE, there's, there's different experiences. There's big, you know, big lecture halls and then there's these small groups and, and historically our course has been small enough that we can have very intimate conversations We've had people like ENTs and speech therapy and and sleep physicians, as well as pediatric dentists, hygienists, restorative dentists, of course, oral surgeons, and to bring everyone into the same room and to really, really talk about what is it that we're seeing in our practices and in our patients and how can we learn from each other. 
Yeah. And it's those aha moments. It's those, wow, I didn't think that shifting the lower jaw forward and to the side would have an imp when in speech would have an impact on condylar development. And you go, oh my gosh. And and um and so thinking about the system, thinking about the importance of the system, the lips, the cheeks, the tongue, the teeth, the joint, the bite, the swallow, it's all in breathing, of course, it's all important. Yeah. So that course is going to be, for those that you're listening, on October, it's going to be October 28th or 26th through the 28th. And where's that going to be at, Becca? In beautiful Kirkland, Washington, Seattle. It's, it's a suburb of Seattle. Awesome. Awesome. So if you're not taking notes, don't worry, we're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes uh, in the podcast, whether you listen to Stitcher, I, iTunes, Spotify, there'll be a link to the course. You can just click on it. It'll take you right there. Nothing easier than that. I'm going to highly encourage you to check it out. Dr. Gunson is brilliant. And so you will, your mind will be expanded during that time. So that is so, so cool. And uh, I'm going to voluntold you for this one. Becca's going to come back and do a whole podcast on, you know, staff engagement, your team engagement on this conversation with patients, which that's huge, getting everybody involved. But uh, Becca, you're just one of the best. What Any last thoughts you have on how we can reframe intervention? I would say, that, uh, and especially the younger dentists, but for experience as well, Let's all keep questioning things. Let's all keep asking new questions. Dentistry is a really exciting time because it's not just about straight teeth anymore. It's about how do we make patients healthier? And that's so rewarding. It's so exciting. And it, it, it's, it, it's a great time to be a dentist. It truly is. A big part of that is being excited about what you're doing to help patients. Don't you agree? For sure. For sure. Every day. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as always, I'm just so grateful for you. So thank you for being on. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, stick around. We'll say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share this with your friends. There's nothing better that we love than sharing good news to help you love your practice and help patients more. Make sure you check out uh, Dr. Bacow's class with Dr. Gunson, and there'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, I promise you, you will absolutely love it. So until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.